0: Good morning, church. Glad to be with you today. As we get started, would you please join me in listening to the word of God from Ruth, chapter 3. Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shouldn't I seek security for you so that things might go well for you? Now, isn't Boaz, whose young women you are with, our relative? Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. You should bathe, put on some perfume, wear nice clothes, and then go down to the threshing floor. Don't make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, notice the place where he is lying. Then go, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Ruth replied to her, I'll do everything that you are telling me. So she went down to the threshing floor, and she did everything, just as her mother-in-law had ordered. Boaz ate and drank and he was in a good mood. He went over to lie down by the edge of the grain pile. And she quietly approached, uncovered his legs, and lay down. During the middle of the night, the man shuddered and turned over. And there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. She replied, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread out your robe over your servant, because you are a redeemer. He said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter, you have acted even more faithfully than you did at first you haven't gone after rich or poor or young men and now my daughter don't be afraid i'll do everything for you i'll do everything for you that you are asking indeed my people all who are at the gate know that you are a woman a woman of worth now although it's certainly true that i am a redeemer there is a redeemer who is a closer relative than i am Stay the night, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, then good, let him redeem. But if he doesn't want to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I myself will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, and she got up before one person could recognize another, for he had said, no one should know that the woman came to the threshing floor. He said, bring the cloak that you have on and hold it out. And she held it out, and he measured out six measures of barley and placed it upon her and she went into town. She came to her mother-in-law, who said, How are you, my daughter? And so Ruth told her everything the man had done for her. She said, He gave me these six measures of barley, for he said to me, Don't go away empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Sit tight, my daughter, Naomi replied, until you know how it turns out. The man won't rest until he resolves the matter today. The word of God for the people of God. Well, good morning to you, church. I'm glad that you are here today. Uh, if you are visiting with us, then uh, it will be no surprise at this point that we are studying the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth comes uh, shortly on the heels of an Old Testament story uh, that we find in the book of Judges. And this book takes place during the same period of time, but it's telling a different story. And so the past couple of weeks, we've looked at this story and we've been Discovering and and relearning and re informing ourselves what the book of Ruth has to tell us. And we've been doing it through the lens of what it means to find a home, a true home, a place where we can really belong. So I'm interested today, as we get started and as we continue discussing, I'm interested to know uh, what words does the word home conjure up in your mind? Is there a word or a phrase that you think of when you hear the word home? Safety and refuge. What else? Family. The holidays are upon us. Perhaps turkey. Food. Those are the things that I think of. Uh, Yeah, a, a, a home is a place to belong. A home is a place where we find safety and refuge. It's a place where we have family, where we can truly feel like we are ourselves and who we are meant to be. It's a place where we find belonging. Well, in this chapter of Ruth, uh, we all of a sudden come upon this story. It's a little bit of an odd story. Uh, Perhaps to our ears, uh, it's kind of a a weird, bizarre story, one that we might not fully understand. And so as we get started and as we begin to look at this story in Ruth chapter three, I want to totally change gears on you, and I want to tell you a different story. It's a story I heard of a woman, a young woman, a young girl uh, that happened several decades ago in a different part of the world. Well, this girl grew up in a family, and she felt like she had a a place to belong. She loved her parents especially. Her parents uh, were these wonderful people, but very early on in her childhood, they both became ill. And unfortunately, her mother soon passed away. Uh, Her mother passed away, and she had to deal with that sense of grief and loss, that sense of, of, of somebody that has been so important to you and in your life, and all of a sudden is no longer there. Well, uh, at this point in the story, her, her father is also sick. And unfortunately for this young girl, uh, an older brother of hers began to take advantage of her, began to abuse her, and there was no one to take care of her. There was no one to, to protect her because her mother had passed away and her father was lying in bed ill. And so this girl's sense of home, this foundation that she had grown up with, this place that she loved and she felt like she belonged, vanished. It disappeared. It was gone she now had lost a mother. She had lost her innocence. She had lost the sense of belonging uh, that a family is supposed to provide. And she knew that the days were not long before her father would pass away too. And so this young girl decided to strike out and to leave home because after all it had no longer served that purpose for her. It no longer truly was a home to her. And so she left And the years go by, and she is trying to escape and get as far away from that experience and from that memory as she can. And so she continues to travel further and further. And along the way, she has to enlist the help of others. And oftentimes, people were truly helpful to her. They would would help take her from one place to the next where she was trying to go. They might even be willing to offer her a place of safety, a place to stay the night. And many nights, she went with someone she felt protected and safe. But of course, as she's on the road and since she's a young woman, there were the nights where she didn't feel that way, where others would would take advantage of her and would use her for their own purposes and then cast her away, feeling even more at a loss than she already was. She had left her home. She had left the place where she thought she belonged for so long because it was not serving that purpose anymore. And she was seeking a new place and along the way she thought, I will have safety. I will find that place only to find out. That along the way, there were people who did the same thing to her over and over again. Well, our young heroine's story doesn't end there. You see, it gets a little bit better. Because all of a sudden, as she's traveling and as the years have passed, she finds a community of people that are like her, who have left home because they've lost something or because they, they knew there was something else out there for them. And so she joins this other group of travelers And she finds that sense of home, that sense of belonging, of safety. And finally she feels, begins to feel at peace with her situation. And of course it's at this point in the story that I would love to begin to tell you how this was a group of Christians. People like you and I, people who wanted the best for this girl, who wanted to take care of her, who wanted to provide a home for her. But of course, that's not this particular story. The group of people that she found that that helped her to feel that sense of belonging and safety that she was truly at home, they weren't like you and I, at least not in the way that we would immediately identify. They weren't the kinds of people who would show up to a place like this and worship together on a Sunday morning, but in other ways, perhaps really important ways, they were just like us. See, this was a group of people who probably, like many of you in this room today, have experienced that kind of loss, that kind of suffering and heartbreak. They were a group of people who had gathered together, perhaps like we are doing this morning, to come together and to bear one another's burdens. They had come together, even in the midst of all their adversity, even in the midst of the loss and and pain that they had had experienced And they had joined together to form a family of people who had nothing to do with one another. So in that sense, they're exactly like us. People who have joined together to provide a place of belonging for one another. To help protect and care for one another. And I hope that when we announce things like a fire safety plan that we're working on as leadership right now, I hope that that communicates to you that we want to help protect people who belong to this family. And if you're a visitor today, that is our attempt also to protect you, who's not fully a visitor, but we're so glad that you're here and we hope that you will become part of our family because of who our God is, who has taught us to help care for and protect one another. Well, of course, our story ends with our young heroine. She has found a place to belong. She has found an identity and people with whom she feels safe and at peace, and comforted by. Now, you're wondering, who are these people? Who is our heroine in the story? Well, I'll tell you that the people in the story are the kinds of people that might frighten you. They're the kinds of people that you wouldn't expect this behavior of. They're the kinds of people who are runaways and cast-offs. They're the kinds of people that you might drive by on the road and feel like you're a little bit dangerous when you're with them. They're the kinds of people that we wouldn't invite into our polite company. They're the kinds of people that we wouldn't want to have people see pictures of us with on our Facebooks. They're the kinds of people that have nothing to do with us. These are the people with whom this young woman found her home. The people who had nothing to do with her except that they had a common experience. The people who have nothing to do with us except that we know that their experience is not that different from our own. Well, our young heroine in the story, you're of course wondering, who is this woman? Who is this girl? Well, I am ashamed to say that I have uh, I've led you on, for the woman in our story is in fact Ruth, the Ruth that we encounter in Ruth chapter 3. Because up until this point, in Ruth chapter 1 and 2, we have seen a Ruth who is willing to strike out in bold ways. We've seen a Ruth who is willing uh, to to do amazing things and to proclaim amazing truths about her relationship with Naomi, her mother-in-law, about the God of Israel. She claims that this is her God, that she is joining this group of people. And last week, John Mark talked about what it meant for a Moabite, a Moabite to join in with the people of Israel. Well, in chapter 3, We encounter a Ruth, a person who, uh, at this point in the story, we have come to see as a hero. We've come to see as someone who is willing to express their faith in amazing ways. But in Ruth chapter 3, when we read this story, if we read this story the way it's meant to be read, it just might make us blush together this morning. It's the type of story where we begin to see Ruth do something very extreme in order For Boaz to understand her situation, to understand just what it is that she needs. But did you catch it at the very beginning of the text? At the very beginning, in verse one, Naomi says to her daughter in law, We need security. Security. It's that sense of refuge and comfort, that sense of being at peace, that sense of of belonging that only comes when we find a true home. And it's this that Naomi tells Ruth, this is what we need. And so Ruth goes to Boaz. And Ruth is even willing to put herself in a compromising position to communicate to Boaz just how important this need truly is. And so she goes to the threshing floor. She goes to Boaz, and and it's there that that she says in verse 9 something that is so key, something that is so important for the story because this is not simply just one night that Ruth is asking for. No, she's asking for much, much more. In verse 9, Boaz awakens and he says, Who are you? And she replied, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread out your robe over your servant because you are a redeemer. Some translations might say, Spread out your wing. In other words, cover me, protect me, provide that sense of security that we are without. In chapter one, she traveled to a new land. In chapter two, we find out that she was provided for. In the midst of of difficult circumstances, she was allowed to follow behind during the harvest, and she and Naomi, her mother-in-law, were provided for, but it wasn't that sense of belonging. It wasn't that sense of security, that foundation that we all come to know when we have our homes, when we enter our homes, when we find the people that we belong to. And so in chapter three, Naomi and Ruth are searching for that. And Ruth says to Boaz, Spread out your robe, spread out your wing over me and cover me. Become the Redeemer that you're meant to be. See, Ruth does this amazing thing in this story. She, she's willing to go to extraordinary lengths because in our day, what we would call this would, is that we would call this a marriage proposal. This is Ruth coming to Boaz in the middle of the night in a compromising place, in a compromising position, and saying to Boaz, I don't want just this night. I want a future. And God has provided you, Boaz, with the opportunity to be the redeemer, the person that you were meant to be all along. And so Ruth comes and she proposes to Boaz. And to Boaz's credit, he gets it. Boaz isn't very slow on the uptake. He gets it. Uh, Notice his reaction. And and next week, we're going to spend some more time uh, seeing just what Boaz is willing to do because of her request. But notice what what he does. He provides for her that very night. He says, here, take this grain. Don't leave here empty-handed. Because when you leave for me, you'll never leave empty-handed. But it's not only that. The, The text ends by Naomi comforting Ruth and saying, he will not rest until it is taken care of this very day this very day, today. Boaz is not slow on the uptake. He gets it right away. He hears what Ruth is asking for. He understands what she needs. She needs that sense of security, that sense of belonging. She needs a home. And she has come to him and asked, will you provide this for me? Will you be the redeemer for Naomi and myself? Chapter 3 is this amazing story, and yes, there are details in it that we might not post about on Facebook, but it's this amazing story of Ruth seeking a home, and God, through Boaz, providing it. Now, of course, there is another way to read this story, And, and the other way to read this story might even be better than the original, because this story isn't meant just for Ruth and Naomi. It's not meant just for Boaz. It's also meant for the people of God. It's meant for the people who are gathered here together today. And so when we read this story, we don't just read it as Ruth and Boaz. We also get to put ourselves into the story. And the best part is that God is with us in the story. That God has not left this story for us to tell on our own, but in fact, God has entered into this story and told it in a new way, maybe even a better way. You see, when we enter this story, we might place ourselves in Ruth's shoes. We might place ourselves in Naomi's shoes as people who are in need, people who ultimately know that what we need is security and a home to belong. We need a place and a people who we can call our family. So we might put ourselves into those shoes. And like Ruth in this story, we might find ourselves in positions that we don't want to be in, where we have to go somewhere and we have to do something that might make us uncomfortable. We call that sin. Whenever we engage in that kind of behavior, whenever we encounter sin in our lives, we ultimately know that what we're really searching for, whether we're willing to admit it or not, is a place to belong, something to make us feel comforted, something that will allow us to feel at home. And Of course, in our story, there is a Boaz, God plays the role of Boaz in our story, of someone who sees our need, who hears our our pleas and our our anticipation and our cries out to God and, and says, God, we need a sense of security. We need a place to belong. Spread out your wings, spread out your robe, and cover us. And God, of course, will do that just as Boaz did. But I told you that this story is even better than the story that we find in Ruth. Because not only does God play the role of Boaz, But when God sees our need, God also decides to play the role of Ruth in the story. And so all of a sudden, Jesus enters into the pages of history. Jesus comes on the scene and decides, I'm going to enter into their suffering. I'm going to fill their shoes. And I'm going to go to the places where they can't. And Jesus goes to the cross. Jesus goes to the cross so that we don't have to go to the compromising places to seek security, so that we don't have to seek out the sinful behaviors in our life, the things that separate us from God in order to feel that sense of of comfort and home. You see, Jesus goes to the cross so that we don't go away from God, but so that we will be able to go to God. And so the story of Jesus is the story of Ruth chapter 3 but I think it's a little bit better even. This past week, I was impacted by a couple of different stories, and perhaps you heard about them as well. There were stories, I think, ultimately, of people seeking a home, of people seeking to belong somewhere, of people desiring to have that connection with one another. Uh, And perhaps you've heard these stories over the past week or so. Uh, The first took place uh, last Saturday night. Uh, Not last night, but uh, a week ago from last night. And it took place on a show called Saturday Night Live. And, of course, uh, in our current context, even to mention such a show uh, perhaps is a little bit dangerous. But during the course of that show, something amazing happened. It's not a show I typically watch, but whenever I heard this story, I had to see the scene. So I went and found it. And I was unaware of what had taken place prior, but apparently one of the cast members on this show had decided at some point during the show to, to tell a joke. Uh, And it was a a poor, poor joke. It was told at the expense uh, of another person, of a congressman, uh, of somebody who was up for election in in Congress. And he told this joke. Of course, it didn't go over very well. And so last Saturday night, he came on the show not as a character, uh, not as someone uh, playing a part, but he came on the show as himself. And he issued an apology statement. He said, "I, I should never have done such a thing I should never have done it, and I was wrong to do it, and I apologize. And then the amazing thing happened. Because in comes this congressman. And of course, the scene is staged, but in comes the congressman. And Pete Davidson is the cast member's name, and he has the opportunity not just to apologize to the camera, but to apologize directly to the man that he had insulted. And so he issues his apology directly to the congressman. And the congressman, uh, of course, has a little fun uh, back at the cast member, but he also says this amazing thing. He says, even though we have differences, even though we think differently, we can still learn to forgive each other. It was this beautiful moment of forgiveness. It was this beautiful moment of, of, of something changing between these two people. And at the end of the show, the cast member leans over to the congressman-elect, and he, he doesn't think he's going to be heard saying this. He thinks his microphone is off, but he whispers into his ear, you're a good man. You're a good man. You see, because the cast member was so impacted by what this man had been willing to do, because in, in, our, in our country today, in our climate today, it would have been so easy for, for this congressman-elect to just blow it off and pretend like it never happened. It would have been easy for him to to fight back, to come out with something that, that, that he does against this person. But instead, he goes on the show and participates in forgiveness with him. And you could tell in that moment it impacted the cast member very deeply. And it changed his outlook, at least in that moment. It was a moment where the cast member learned what it meant to belong somewhere even to belong with somebody that he didn't agree with and didn't think like. I I, I doubt very much that the cast of Saturday Night Live or, or, or congressmen in the United States think that they're enacting the story of Ruth. Probably never, if at all. But in that moment, we're able to see a glimpse of what this story is trying to tell us, of a desire to belong, a desire to be at home, and at peace with one another. I told you there were two stories. The second story uh, took place this past week as well. And and many of you are are probably captured and probably uh, identify with some of the stories that are being told through movies uh, recently. Uh, uh, People of my generation especially, I think, particularly like movies like Spider-Man and Black Panther and The Avengers. Uh, Have you heard of these movies? Well, this past week, one of the creators of this world passed away. His name was Stan Lee. Of course, that's not his real name. It was simply his author name. And Stan Lee helped create a world of superheroes, create a world where people decided that they saw evil around them and were going to do something about it. Now, of course, these people also had like superna- supernatural gifts. They had been bitten by radioactive spiders or they had access to tremendous amounts of wealth that we don't have. But Stan Lee created a world where people saw evil, injustice, and decided to do something about it. In other words, he created a world where people decided to help create a better world, a better home for the people around them. Stan Lee helped to create these stories, and he passed away this past week. And I found out an amazing thing when I found out that he passed away. Of course, I knew his name wasn't Stan Lee, but I didn't know why he went by that. His real name is Stanley Lieber, Uh, and he decided to use his first name as two names, and he broke that up for his comic books. And he did it because he thought, I will someday use my real name for a work that truly matters. I'll write a story that really makes a difference. Well, Stanley passed away at the age of 95, and he never used his real name because he found that the story he had written The worlds he had helped to create were his true story. They were the stories that were helping to create a better world, helping to create a home for people. These are two stories from our world, and I told you I doubt very much that any of these people were attempting to tell the Christian story through their works. I doubt very much that what they thought they were doing was telling the story of Ruth, of finding a true home. But I think if we look at these stories close enough, we see that there is a yearning around us for this very thing, for us to find a place where we can belong, a place where we feel at home and at peace and that sense of safety and security that Ruth so desperately sought in this chapter.